Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I was so blessed at that time of all of us singing and worshiping together. I just was hoping we could do that last song all over again. Maybe we can. This is just the way of sending a message out to them. If Praise God. How many of you love Jesus with all your heart? Amen. What a joy to be here this morning. And I really believe God has something very, very precious. Uh, I know uh, many of you have been in many ways uh, loving God, walking with God. And I pray God would cause you to increase in every way. And I just want to welcome all the newcomers. I just pray that uh, you would encounter Christ in a beautiful way in this place. Amen. And even as you go from this place, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Second Peter. And chapter 3 and verse 14. We're looking at Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 14. And we're going to look at something very dear the Lord has put in my heart for this morning. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 14. And the scriptures say, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, by him in peace spotless and blameless. Let me read that again. Therefore, beloved, or maybe if we could read it together, if you've got it, Second Peter 3, 14. Let's go. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. The Lord Jesus, through the apostle Peter, is challenging the church to be diligent to be found in God spotless, in peace, and blameless. Can I hear that word, blameless? Let me hear that again, blameless. Say it again to a neighbor of yours if they're blameless. God is calling us to live a blameless life. God is calling us to live a blameless life. Philippians in chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Even as we look at this, you know, at the scripture, we've been looking at this word blameless. The Bible says, you know, in Philippians and chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may, what? That you may prove yourself. Can I hear that? That you may prove yourself to be what? To be blameless and innocent children of God above Reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say blameless. Say it again, blameless. You see, when you look at the Bible, you need to understand it is God's heart that God wants a blameless church. It is on God's heart that God has a people, a family of God, that loves God with all their heart. That everything, every morning, every day, every child of God will wake up in the day saying, God, I want to be found blameless before you. God is not looking for our attendance in church. God is not looking at how many people can fill the pews. Neither is God looking at whether we tick the boxes I attended Sunday service. God is looking for our surrender. Hallelujah. God is looking. Blamelessness can only come from a surrendered heart. 
God is looking for people that will surrender. Look at this context of Philippians in chapter 2. And verse 14, 15, it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may prove yourself to be blameless and innocent. What is the context? Philippians chapter 2 is the context in which the Bible says, even though Jesus was in very nature God, even though he was God, something to be held on to, he what? Humbled himself and he took upon the form of a man. And what did he do? He died on a cross. Now he did that even though when he was going to die on the cross, he said, Father, if it's not my will, but your will be done. Which means Jesus was saying, if there was some way that I didn't have to die on this cross, there was some way that I didn't have to suffer, God, I want that to happen. But he said, but Lord, not my will, but... You see, in that, he demonstrated blamelessness. Because what did he do? He said, Father, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for you. Father, I'm not living for my, for my promotion. I'm not living for my plans. I'm living for your glory. How many want to live for God's glory? Amen. Look what he says over here. He says in, in verse 14, Do all things without grumbling and disputing. What's the background? The background is Jesus, even though he was God, he died and he rose again. And the Bible says, Therefore, God has given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now that's the background. Jesus died, buried, rose again. And therefore God gave him a name because of his obedience. And that's why the very next line it goes on to say in verse 12. So then my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's literally presenting, just like Jesus did not shy away from obedience. You in the same way, who's always willing to obey. In the same way, I'm now encouraging you, because the time is short. Work your salvation with fear and trembling. And then he goes on to say, let there not be grumbling or disputing or arguments or things like that among you. So what is he saying? He's saying there has to be a, a lifestyle that is setting in of obedience so that you will not have a church that is full of grumbling and complaining or you'll not have a family that is full of grumbling and complaining or you'll not have a personal life that is full of grumbling and complaining but you will have a life, a church and a family that is full of surrender to God. Hallelujah. The Lord is calling us as a church to a place of surrender. Only a place of surrender is a place where we come to a place where we live a blameless life. See, when the church started off, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, it was like the Garden of Eden. Like God began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He created them. He authorized them. And he put a mission on them. He said, take care of the garden and all of that. And he called them to fellowship. In the cool of the day, that the father would pass by and walk by and fellowship with Adam and Eve. And the other times of the day, he sent them to work in the garden. And to tend the garden on behalf of God. So it was the same thing. When the church was planted also, the Lord called the church also to a place of fellowship with him. It was like Adam and Eve in the garden, authorized and deputized with a mission, with a plan from God, with a grace from God, with a call from God. And the church began to spend time in fellowship, that is doing life together with one another, in breaking bread, in remembering the finished work on the cross. 
and uh, in, uh, in prayer, which is petition, making prayers and petitions unto God, and, you know, in breaking bread, communion, prayer, in fellowship, and, um, um, and in the apostles' teachings. And the apostles' teachings. Which means there was a dedication to what? The commandments of God. They paid attention to the heart of God through the apostles' teaching. They didn't want to get into deceptive teaching. They didn't want to go and listen to the most popular teaching. What was on their heart was that they wanted to be established in sound doctrine. Can I hear an amen? You see, so when the church was planted, it was like what God began with Adam and Eve. Now God was beginning all over again in a fresh way, except that the fall had happened. And just like Adam and Eve was going to be an answer to bringing about godly leadership and rule in the world, in the same way God wanted the church of the living God to be the one that brings about the kingdom of God into the nation. So when God created Adam and Eve, God created them blameless. He created them like him. On his behalf and wanted them to go out blameless and lead on his behalf. And it is in this context when God created the church in the same way. To fellowship with him. To bring our petitions before him. You know, God is calling on the church that we will bring our petitions before him. But not only that, that God is calling on the church that we might be one that will be willing to hear his petition. His commandments. His plans. That we might be a spotless and a blameless church. Hallelujah. God is constantly looking to make you and me blameless. Let me hear that word, blameless. See, God, God is he's constantly looking out for a blameless people that will live for Him, for to whom He can trust and to whom He can entrust. You see, the Bible says in, in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 20, the Bible says, the perverse in heart are an abomination to the Lord. But the blameless in their walk is his delight. Hallelujah. Here's a God who's laying it out for us and saying, this is what I delight in. I delight in a blameless heart. I delight in, a, in someone who's carrying a blameless heart, who's running after God, who's walking in the ways of God. Did you know that you and I were chosen to live and walk blamelessly from the foundation of the earth. Which means God did not suddenly see you uh, and say, okay, now I want him to be blameless. And, uh, you know, we are all human. Everybody cannot be blameless. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Or maybe some of you can. Or maybe the sisters can. Or maybe the brothers can't. You know, God didn't do that. The Bible goes on to say in Ephesians 1.4, the Bible says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the earth that we might be holy and blameless before him which means you and i god's plan for us didn't start yesterday in fact god's plan for you didn't start after you got saved god's plan for you did not start after you cleaned up your life your mess god planned you for you from the foundations of the earth he called you by name and he said, I have a plan for you. Hallelujah. Not because you have messed up or not because you're walking right or not. God plans for you because you are his. You belong to him. You, you, you are his. And, and so when God says, I want you to be blameless, it's because blameless life is God's heart for you. That's the plan of God upon your life. 
God wants to do this. So let's try to define this a bit, all right? Because when people get into, every time I came across this word blameless, how would toy with that word? How do, just how do we, how do we break down this word? How do I live a blameless life? Does anybody live a blameless life? No, crying out loud. I have worked for, you know, among the Christian uh, leaders for a good number of years, at least three decades now, since I'm working among Christian leaders. And I can tell you, Christian leaders, many of us, we wonder who among us is blameless. There is not one, right? And so what about the body of Christ? Uh, you know, you, you, you'll be challenged in your heart when you look at this word blameless. But I want to break this down for you. When we hear the word blameless, we often think of someone who has made no mistakes, who's doing everything perfectly, there is nothing wrong. And if we were to meet such a person, we'd look at them and say, "Mm, that's a self-righteous person there. All right, you know, we would probably look at someone by our own standards and judge them before they can ever judge us. Hallelujah. You know, strike, they say a good offense is the best defense, you know, when they come to strategic warfare. They say, so uh, that's what we do in many of our relationships, where they know they're going to hurt us, uh, go for the kill straight so that they will not be able to achieve that. So he says, you know, that when, when we hear the word blameless, we think someone who is without mistake, without fault and all of that. Someone who is perfect. Someone who is perfect. It's strange. We often say nobody is perfect. But in our, when we come to our arguments, we are always perfected in our arguments. We are never wrong. We are perfect at all times when we have an argument. But yet we say, Lord, Lord, I'm full of faults. You know, I'd like to know what those faults are. Because other than in the presence of the Lord, we never want to acknowledge our faults. And even to the Lord, we have religious statement, Lord, you know my faults. But the Lord's asking, would do you? All right. <laughs> okay, I'm not going there. All right, being, see, what, what really is blamelessness? What really is blamelessness? We are all far from being perfect. And I think we need to get a good look at biblical blamelessness. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring out blamelessness in, in three aspects. The first aspect of blamelessness, according to God's word, is being blameless in the Bible means to be innocent of wrongdoing. To be innocent of wrongdoing without guilt. It means that the person has nothing to be blamed for. All right. So when we look at this word in the Bible, I want there are, we look at it in the Hebrew because it's there in the Hebrew and it's there in the Greek too. In the Hebrew, the word blameless is a word called tamim. And this word tamim means to be complete or finished. Everything is done. So we can... You know, oftentimes when we heard this, hear this word tamim and we hear the word blameless, what comes to our mind is like a task, completed, finished. But when you look at the Hebrew word, it brings about a deeper meaning or a more clearer meaning to the word blameless. The Hebrew meaning uh, for the word blameless translates to a meaning that is spotless and blemishless, without a mis- without fault, without spot. Like you look at a white wall and and you suddenly find there's nothing that you can find wrong with it. There's no dot on it. It is spotless or blemishless. So when we come to think about the first meaning of the word, ble- uh, you know, blameless, we think about the word to be in a place where there, you know, we are innocent of wrongdoing. There's, we are we're spotless and blemishless. But truly, none of us are spotless or blemishless. So how is it possible for us to be blameless? When the, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. How can you and I be spotless and blameless unless Jesus, by the blood, 
washed away all those spots from our life. Hallelujah. He, take a, he takes a duster and he just wipes the whole blackboard off with all. He looks at you the day you receive Christ and he says, blameless. Hallelujah. That's the beautiful, that's the beauty. Someone asked, do you know that you are justified before God? I said, what is the meaning of the word justified? And someone said like this, justified means just as if you never sinned. That God would look at you and declare you blameless. But this is the first angle of blamelessness. The second angle of blamelessness, uh, aspect to the meaning of the definition of blamelessness, is that blamelessness is not just what God has done for you and me, but blamelessness is the condition of our heart. Blamelessness is the condition of our heart. It's the state of our heart. Blamelessness is the state of our heart. It's a pursuit. It's a running after. It's a going after of integrity. It's a going after of a love for Jesus. It's a going after of wanting to live a holy life. Instead of we saying, I'm just human. Where we, where we are actually saying, I know I'm human, but I'm going after this. Hallelujah. That's the blameless heart. I know I'm human, but he has given me the Holy Ghost. Where he has given us, wherever the Holy Ghost comes, he will give you the ability to overcome all our faults. To overcome that we can live an overcoming life. If it were not possible, God would not have asked us to. If it were not possible, the Lord would not have spoken to. So the second aspect of blamelessness is a state of heart, is a condition of our heart. It's the pursuit, it's the integrity, desiring holiness, and the desire and the pursuit of the nature of God and the ways of God. The Bible says in Psalms, Israel sought after the hand of God, but Moses sought the face of God. Hallelujah. God does not want us to be a church. That's just pursuing the, ha- the hand of God. What can you do for me, God? What can you give me? How can you bless me? What can you do? God wants us to be a church that is pursuing the face of God. Hallelujah. That we might see His face. And I believe as a church, we need to be preparing our lives in such a way. I want to, I want to call on the entire church and say, we need to be preparing in such a way that we are getting ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That we don't live our lives in such a way that we live in carnality, that we live unsurrendered life. God's not looking for our attendance. He's looking for our surrender. God's not looking for our praise, our songs of praise, as much as He said. He's looking for a heart that sings from the heart a song of praise. God's not just looking for, you know, God's not looking for our tithes and offerings as much as He's looking for a cheerful heart with which we put that tithe and offering. God is not looking for our obedience and active obedience that leads to self-righteousness as much as God is looking for a heart that is in love with God, that we want to obey Him, not because because we have to, but because we are in love with God. Hallelujah. God is looking for a blameless heart. You can give all the money you have and still not be blameless. You can tithe and you can give an offering. And God will say, that's not a cheerful giver. Nor is that a surrendered giver. Hallelujah. 
God can use the devil to come and supply for the needs of the church. Long ago, I heard a, a story. One day, an atheist wanted to mock a woman who loved God so much. And so she had run out of food. And so one day, and this atheist comes and leaves a bag of food in front. And, you know, and he rings the bell. And, uh, oh, you know, and she opens it. And she looks at his bag of food. And she says, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for providing for my needs. And this guy jumps out of the bushes and says, that wasn't God. That was me. And she looks at him and she says, Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord, that you can even use the devil to provide for my needs. You know, sometimes we, we are just so super smart, we don't know how to be blameless before God. We have ideas, we got explanation, we got all of that. And yet, finally, the Bible says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. To be blameless is to have a heart that is in love with God. And finally, thirdly, to be blameless is to be in a place of pursuit. To be blameless is saying, God, my one desire, my heart's desire is you. And everything else in my life that I pursue has to fall in line with this. Anything I need to give up, I give up because I surrender because I'm pursuing something greater. I'm pursuing a love for you, Lord. And that's why I surrender. It's to be in a place of pursuit. That is above reproach. To, to be blameless is to be mature. To be complete. A model and an example to everybody. God wants us as leaders to be an example to you. The Lord gives us no permission to live however we want. The Lord does not give pastors and leaders permission to say, I know I'm a mess, but the grace of God will take me to heaven. Paul tells Timothy, he says, be blameless. I want an overseer to be blameless. What does that mean? It is not faultless or without mistakes. And that overseer is one whose heart is after God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know you guys are not looking for a, for a pastor without mistakes. But I hope you don't. Bring down your standards where you desire a pastor whose one desire is the heart of God. We're not playing church here. Jesus is coming soon. We have to live in such a way we are ready for his coming. And in the last days, the Bible says, you know, a few months ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, John, I'm taking you into another season of your life. I said, what is it, Lord? He said, I'm going to get you to become a mouthpiece. Get ready. Prepare the church for the second coming of God. Because around the world, you know, many people may be preaching different messages. And I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. I praise God for all the different messages that encourage us. And I think we need all of that. But the church is far poorer if we're not aware that Jesus is coming soon. Now we have to be ready for His coming. Our hearts must be prepared in such a way where we're saying, God, if you are coming, and I'm going to show you a scripture. Say, if you're coming, I want to be found blameless at your coming. That's not, that's not without any mistakes. But I want to be found, when you look at my heart, you say, this one's heart is just sold out after me. This one is running after me. God is calling us to a place of covenant. You look at the Bible, Noah walked in covenant. The Bible says he was blameless. Genesis 6, 9 says, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Amen. Everybody said, Noah walked with God. That was blamelessness. God called that. He said that the, that the fact that Noah walked with God was blamelessness. And then it says in Genesis 17:1, when God looks at Abraham, now when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, 
I am God Almighty. Walk before me and come on. And be. I want you to put your name over there. And God appeared to put your name there. Go ahead. And God appeared to put your name. All right. All right. When however old you are. And said to you. And the Lord appeared to John and said what? Or put your name. And I am God Almighty. What? What does God want from us? Walk before him and what? Which means have a heart that is sold out for God. A heart that is just walk before me. There are only a few more years to go. You and I don't know how many years are left. Either Jesus is coming back or he's going to call us home. Whichever happens first, there's only limited time. In the meantime, walk before God and be blameless and I will fulfill everything that I have promised you, says the Lord. God is a God who, who can fulfill everything. Job was blameless before the Lord. Job 1.1 1, 1 says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. That which God commanded the patriarchs in the Old Testament to walk in, today God is commanding His bride to walk in. God is commanding His church. Not suggesting. God is not requesting God is not pleading. God is not doing any of that. He is commanding his kingdom to live a life that is blameless unto the king. And that's why he goes on to say in Philippians and in, in Timothy and all of that, he calls constantly raising the challenge of blamelessness. Why? Because why does God want us to be blameless? Because our God is a blameless God. Our God is a blameless God. Second Samuel chapter 22 and verse 31 says like this, ask for God. Oh, let's read that. Second Samuel 22 and verse 31. It says, As for God, His way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. He is a shield to all who take refuge. And let's read that together. As for the... The word of the Lord is tested. Our God is a blameless God. Now... A blameless God may be blamed by people. Now you might wonder how is that possible? Because just like blameless you and me are blamed by people in the same way. <laughs> you know, oftentimes when we listen to people blame us, we feel, oh, they misunderstood us. God is blameless because he is the great commander. He is the one who sets the standards, who puts the commands in place, puts the rules in place. And that is why he's the final judge. And when he judges, he will judge by his standards. Our God is a blameless God. Psalm 18, 20, 30 says, Psalm 18 and verse 30 says, As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. He is a shield to all that take refuge in him. In the same way, just like God is blameless, God wants you and me to live a blameless life. Now, blameless life again is not a faultless life. It's a life that is pursuing after a faultless life. Hallelujah. A blameless life is a life that's pursuing after the heart of God. And saying, God, I have come to do your will. There's only one thing on my heart, Lord. I live to do your will. There's only one passion, one, one purpose, one desire. So when God wants us to be blameless, there are two sides to this blamelessness. The first aspect of this blamelessness is that God makes us blameless. That is an imputed faith. It's a faith, it's a blamelessness where God looks at you and me 
because of our commitment to follow Christ, God looks at you and maybe Satan looks at us and says, Oh, I've got all those mistakes I can point out. God looks at us and says, Hmm, this is spotless stuff. This is blemishless stuff. This is, you, you know, Satan can throw all those arguments at you. God makes us blameless. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 22. The Bible says, Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly b- b- body through death. Alright, let's read that. Let's go together. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. In order, in order to what? Present you before him, holy and blameless. He died on the cross to present us blameless. Hallelujah. Knowing that by ourselves we cannot. He died on the cross to present us what? To present us blameless before him. That is why when we stand before God, we can boldly say, Lord, not by my works, but by your grace. Hallelujah. Though how do I become blameless? How does God make you blameless? By his finished work on the cross. This is imputed upon you and me through faith. It is imputed upon you and me through faith. Jude 1.24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and make you stand in his presence blameless with great joy. God is able to make us blameless. It's, it is something we can't call ourselves But it is something God can call us. God can look at you and say, blameless because of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is something we need to grow into. So there is an imputed blamelessness that God gives us. But secondly, there is also a blameless life that God wants us now to walk in. Now that he has called us blameless, he's now saying, now walk in it. Because in the because in the, in the books of heaven, your name is written against the blameless list, under the blameless list. Because of that, God is now saying, now that your name is there, now walk accordingly. Hallelujah. Because I have finished the work on the cross. Because I have called you from the foundation of the earth. That is why I put your name there. Now walk according to that. Philippians chapter 1 verse 10. Quickly, if you can throw it up and we're going to read that together. Philippians chapter 1. And verse 10. Very important scripture. So that you may. What? Approve the. Go ahead. Approve the things that are. Excellent. In order to be sincere. And blameless. Until the day of the Lord. So Paul is writing to the Philippian church. And he's telling them. That you may approve things that are excellent. Which means that you might have an ability. To understand truths. That you might have an ability to understand what is excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of His coming. Which means our sincerity and our blamelessness is connected to our ability to be approve what is excellent. Which means our ability to understand what is truth. Our ability to understand what is the will of God. We can't just live however we want because of imputed faith and say, you know what? He's imputed the righteousness faith on me. Now, whatever I do, however I live, I'm okay. God does not permit that. He's saying, now that you have been made blameless, I'm calling on your heart. Can you walk blamelessly before me? You know, so the Bible says uh, uh, the, 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 the righteous man falls seven times, but he will what? 
rise up. Blamelessness not is, the, is not the absence of the falling, but is the passion to rise up. Is the desire. Abraham failed. God called him blameless. Noah failed. God called him blameless. Job failed. God called him blameless. What was blameless? Their heart. Every day their heart was so after God. They were just, just pursuing the heart of God. They were not cooking stories. They were not preaching and living sin. They were not doing all these things. There was a heart that was blameless after God. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, you are witnesses. Paul is writing to the Thessalonian church. You are witnesses and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved to you. Now, this is not a faith statement. This is a life statement. Are you listening to me? What Paul is making here. Let's read that again. Let's go. You are witnesses. What does that mean? He's saying, all of you have seen. What? You're witness. What? And so is God. Which means God is also witness. Which means this is not something only God is seeing as blameless. The world is seeing your blamelessness. Others are able to see. It is not just the imputed righteousness. It's not the imputed blamelessness. But it is now a blamelessness that is pursued because you are madly in love with God. You are saying, God, I love you so much. I want to live like you live. I want to speak like you spoke. I want to walk like you walk. I want to talk. I want to live for you. Let's read that scripture. Throw it up. Yeah, let's read that together. Let's go. You are what? Witnesses. And so is God. About what? How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly, what? We behaved toward you believers. What is he saying? He's saying others and God have witnessed our blameless life. Which means a blameless life is secondly, God is blameless, He's made us blameless, but now He's asking, let others see your blameless life. Let others see how you're pursuing after this. That you be found by Him in peace and spotless and blameless. And I believe God wants you and me to live that kind of a life. To live that pursuit of blamelessness that God has imputed on us. But now a blamelessness that we walk in. And that walk is because of a commitment to a passionate pursuit of loving God. No one who does not love God will love a blameless life. It's the passionate pursuit of loving God that makes us want to passionately pursue a blameless life. So how do I live blamelessly? How do I live blamelessly? How do I, how do I live blamelessly? Run after God. Run after God in every moment. Look to the Lord and say, God, I want to run after you. I want to run after you all my days. Till my dying moment. I want to run after you. Hallelujah. This is my one desire. It may be hard. It may be tough. Father, not my will, but your will. I want to run after you. Make that decision to run after God. Make that decision to, to run after God. Psalm 18 verse 32 says like this. The God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. God will help you. You run after him. Look to the Lord and God will make your way blameless. God will make you somebody. God will, even though you fall, he will hold your hands and lift you up. Because his grace will be abundant upon your life. He will be coming after you. He will be He will be passionately pursuing you. How can you live and walk blameless? The Bible says in Ephesians in chapter 5. 
verse 25 to 27. The scriptures say like this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The Bible is saying, just like Christ cleanses the bride with the washing of water of the word, in the same way, husbands, love your wives, that you can, you know, help them by the washing of the water, by the word upon their lives, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle, that Christ wants to, by the washing of the word, present to himself a blameless church. Hallelujah. How do we become a blameless church? How do we become a blameless person? Allowing the word of God to dwell in your life. Meditate on it day and night. Read the word of God. Share the word of God. Confess the word of God. Meditate the word of God. Con you know, pursue that word of God. When you do that with the word of God, that word of God begins to wash you and cleanse you and transform you and change you. Oh, love the word of God. You become a blameless person as you run after the word. How else? By obeying the word of God, you'll be obeying his commands and, and running after it. Luke 1.6, it says, They both were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commands and the requirements of God. They were righteous because they walked blamelessly, the Bible says. Oh, God can cause you to live such a blameless life. If you want to be blameless, people of God, church, let us set our heart on blamelessly. Let's set our heart. Anything you're intentional about, the Lord will hold your hands and help you finish. Anything you're into, even if you fail, God will look at you and say, I'm seeing how intentional you are. All I see is blamelessness. Hallelujah. I see your passion. All I see is blamelessness. I see your heart. All I see is blamelessness. You're saying, set your heart. Psalm 119 verse 80 says, May my heart be blameless in your statutes. Set my heart upon your word. Set your heart upon God's word. Saying, God, I don't want to hear the word and not be a doer of the word. I want to be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. And if there comes a moment where I'm failing to do your word, God, hold my hand because I'm still coming after this. I'm still running after a blameless life. Hallelujah. I'm still coming after this. Guard your heart. Live diligently. Guard your conscience. Don't harden your conscience. Don't harden your soul. Sometimes because of failure and because of a broken life and pain, one of the best things that many of us know to do well is to guard our heart. We say, I've been hurt. I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again. Or, I'm so wounded. I'm not going to let anybody wound me again. We harden our heart. And eventually, anyone who hardens his heart to man, surely will harden their heart to God. Because God said, love them as I have loved you. And if we harden our heart to man, we will harden our heart to God. And God is saying, guard your conscience. Keep your conscience soft before God. That's saying, God, no matter what happens, no matter whoever does what to me, Lord, I really want to walk a blameless life. And as we do this, I want to tell you, let's lean on the grace of God. And God's grace is going to come upon the church. Hallelujah. I believe in my heart, God is preparing us for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I am so excited about God's coming. I am so excited about Jesus coming back. Now, some of us might wonder, but are we ready? We better be ready. Amen. We better be ready. 
Now I'm not saying that we'll be faultless. If our heart is pursuing God and awaiting His coming, God will declare us blameless before Him. Because our heart is pursuing the passion of walking after God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Let me close in prayer as we go through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Let's read it together slowly. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus. People of God, I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which is given to you. Amen. The grace of God which is given to you in Christ Jesus. Yes. That in everything you are what? Enriched in Him. Which means you don't lack anything that is needed to walk in that grace. In everything you're enriched. All truth, the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God. God has given you everything you need to live a life of victory. Everything you are enriched in Him, in all speech and in all knowledge. He's telling the Corinthian church, you guys have gifts. You guys have the best messages. You have the most charismatic giftings. You have you you guys have everything. In fact, Corinth was Corinth was like you know uh, in, in that region. It was like a today's uh, Dubai or New York City or London. You know, it was a cosmopolitan. It was a financial hub. They had everything in the midst of in so in the midst of that kind of wickedness, worldliness, and everything. Here's the people of God whom God is saying that you are enriched in everything, and then goes on even as the testimony concerning Christ. Was confirmed in you. Yes. And was. Go ahead. Was 7 and 8. So that. Not lacking any gift. Awaiting. Eagerly. The revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who also. Will what? Confirm you. To the end. Blameless. In the day. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read 7 and 8 again. And let's declare it. Let's read 7 and 8 and let's declare it together. Alright? Let's go. So that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise up to your feet. Let's read the scripture to one another. We're going to look at somebody next to us. We're going to read the scripture over our neighbor, our father, our mother, our brother, our sister. If you're not near somebody, find somebody. I want, let's read the scripture over to that person. All right. Let's go. One, two, three. So that you're not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Grace be multiplied upon you and me. That God will cause you to walk in the amazing grace of God. And live a blameless life. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Father we thank you for the amazing grace of God that is available this morning. Father we thank you for the imputed righteousness. The blameless life. The imputed faith you have put on us. Thank you Father for you call us holy and righteous and blameless. Because by ourselves we couldn't Lord. But in response to what you have done on the cross for us, we want to now prove to a perverted Lord generation of people 
that Christ's mercy on our life can change our wicked lives into a life that is like the life of God. So Father, we repent for living selfishly. We repent, Lord, for living a, a life that is just so self-centered. And we submit our lives to you. Father, we want to live unto you. We want to live blameless and holy. We want to live for you. We want to live with you. We want to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we want to decree and declare. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to make you stand in the presence of his glory. Blameless and with great joy. Be all the glory and the honor and the power and the praise. And all the people said aloud, Amen. Amen and Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in. 